Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. the record fans happy new year welcome to the first episode of 2018 uh it's awesome to be back don't worry Huey has not had a voice box change or anything more drastic uh, my name's joe i'm the producer of huey off the record and i'm just chiming in with a quick intro because we're trying something a little bit different today so before Christmas, we asked you for your questions on Twitter. We collected those up and we recorded a special episode of uh, Huey Off The Record. And if you'd like it, it's something that we would like to do more often, maybe even on a monthly basis. So we'd love to hear your feedback on that. So the other voice that you will hear today is myself. I'll be um, shooting the shit and uh, chewing the fat with Huey and asking him some of your questions. So do listen out because we give you a name check as well with your Twitter handle. Uh, So yeah, I hope you enjoy today's episode. And the first thing you'll hear is Huey giving himself a little bit of a self intro. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. can intro myself and be like, ladies and gentlemen, now you finally get the glimpse into a mind of a amazing human being all around, <laughs> mensch, great guy, yes, we're going to be actually talking to me today, and I, I, did, I, did, I did one thing one time where I actually interviewed myself, I think I did it on the radio, it was, it was fucking funny, because it was, it, I was really answering questions that people asked. So, and I was asking them as if I was like some dude who was me anyway. Oh, okay. That it's an interesting concept. Man, you know what? When you're in showbiz, you you people would be like, "No, nah, I heard that happen about 10, 15 times already." But like, you hear all these things. Like, there are only like 10, 15 different gimmicks you can get like a musician to do when he's on the radio. You know, if you interview him and you've been, this is like your fifth record, and you're like, "Oh, here we go again." You can, at that point, be like, oh, well, you know, fuck it, man. Just, you know, have him interview himself with such a wise ass, you know, and then you do. Yeah, and I feel like that works with your personality, too. I like your, um, there are some old videos of you on YouTube doing, like, 
you did a lecture. You did an impromptu lecture, I think, after a gig once. Oh, the outdoor gig? That was yeah. The, yeah okay, yeah, the indoor-outdoor gig. Yeah, the things like that that have to be, you know. But, but people realize that, you know, that was just how shit was. That's how I spoke to motherfuckers at one point. I just was <laughs> like, you know, because there were so many of them. They were like, they were like, if I had to say something to each individual person in the squad, there were like 15, 20 people. Like people who worked for us that needed to know this information. So I yeah. just was calling fucking meetings. I was like, everybody, parking lot, you know, whatever. And I'd go and give my fucking order of the day. He's <laughs> like, all right, fellas, I signed your paycheck, so this is what we're doing today. And we'd go through it. And the tour manager would be sitting there like the sergeant major, like, that's what he said. That's what he said. You in the back, <laughs> stand up straight, you know. <laughs> I love that. Is that not the tour manager's job, or <laughs> is that your job? You know, it's it's always I've always been the absent-minded brigadier. You know, that's how, and I think that's the way to be. I mean, I go and I do what I have to do on stage, and what we consider, you know, the whatever we do, we consider that the hard part. When it's not, it's the best part. But like, you mm -hmm. know, when we go into action, you know, we, we always treat it uh, as, as quasi-militarily because there is a hierarchy when you're a pirate. And I think that's essentially what I do is I'm a pirate. And my fellow pirates, be them few, be them strong, you know what I'm saying? So you have to keep pirates in line how you think you have to keep pirates in line. Through threat of violence. And, and you know, straight up. You can, you can tell somebody, I'm not going to pay you this week. And they'll be like, whatever, man. I got, I got enough drugs to get me through. Fuck you. But if, you, if you're like, I'm going to whoop your ass, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, they'll like give them pause. <laughs> I used to load the trucks, man. I used to load the trucks on our first European tour until the record company found out. Cause I was like, yo, I'm going to get soft. I got to stay in shape and shit, you know? So I was throwing the, 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 the road cases around at the end. I put a wool hat on, boom, we do it. And the record company was like, yo, what if he jams up a finger? And they're like, well, he's not that great a guitar player. So it doesn't fucking matter, you know? And, 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 and I, I was just like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So I, I stopped doing that. But I was always throwing in with the dudes, man. I love it. So you didn't get your fingers insured then, like J-Lo has a... No, I figured worst comes to worst. Like I figured worst comes to worst, like a Ricky Havens it. You know, he just used his thumb. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, if she looks yeah. like, a, like the, the arms to do the wrists kind of thing, I could be all right. Do a slide yeah, thing. Just freestyle it. Yeah. I'm a, and, you know, it's funny because I, I got better as the band went on as a guitar player. And I'm kind of like, I'm glad I didn't get my hands fucked up because I... So I had so many opportunities to have my hands fucked up, like closed in doors of tanks and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's just horrible accidents that didn't really maim my hands that badly. So I could still play, and it doesn't, they're not hurting, you know what I mean? I have friends that are my age that their hands actively hurt, and they have to take, like, pain meds just so they can play guitar and stuff. That's terrible. And that's weird, because, yeah. I mean, we're going, whenever you play over in the winter... A lot of people complain about like hands and stuff like that because you're playing gigs. And we're going out to Bulgaria this weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm playing there Sunday, and you know I just I love going to Eastern Europe. We've been going there a long time. Like we get each other. You feel me? Like we. I love Eastern Europe. Well, I've I've traveled to every country in Eastern Europe, and it is. I love it there. It's wild. Yo. There's the rawness to Eastern Europe, which is different to Western Europe, yeah, and yeah. especially to the UK, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, to the UK and America, because I think the UK is quite Americanized. And also, um, Soviet bloc is different, man, too, than than like going to Poland or like Czechoslovakia. I love those places too, but you get yeah. Soviet bloc, and Dems be my motherfuckers. You know why? Because we uh, we share the. The, the sardonic view of Dostoevsky and the whimsy of Bulkakov. I mean, we get it, you know? 
Like yeah. I've, I've been, I'm not saying I've been Russian or colluding or nothing like that, but I've been, I've, I've felt fucked up like a Russian person feels fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I knew a lot of dudes from, I know how they, they're, they're, they enjoy the good things in life, but they also know because you get good things in life, you have to go through bad things in life. It's a trade. It's a, it's a balance. And that's why I love yeah. going out there. Because we've been playing there 20-something years, like heavy. We're playing like a 15,000-seat stadium or like, you know, some kind of basketball stadium when we go out there. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I see um, I see a lot of the behind the scenes and we, we do get a lot of messages from your Eastern European fans always asking when you're going back. Yeah, those be my peoples, man. Yeah, I, I love it. I've had some good times in Ukraine. Ukraine, yes, yeah, man. I mean, we, we, we went through, when we first started rolling through, it was right after a lot of uh, what used to be Yugoslavia mm. started getting all sovereignty for all those different countries. They were rebuilding. There was a lot of American money and EU money getting thrown in there. But you could still see, like, bullet holes all over shit. And there were those mm. people who had just went through that had that same kind of, like, we party like there is no tomorrow because, frankly, there hasn't been. You know? Yeah, so you, that was exactly the vibe I got. I went to Odessa, and that yeah, is yeah, that's the feeling I got. Yeah. Now, I'm from a coal mining town, and if you go there on a Friday and a Saturday night, you get the same vibe. But if you go to Odessa, you get it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, like, literally, yeah. you just go all night because tomorrow might not come. Like that's the vibe you get over there, and there's this like wildness and rawness. So yeah, I bet they're a really amazing crowd to play to. They are, and and you know there was a time in my life when, you know I, I probably was less careful as that I am today. Not not necessarily with my personal safety or drugs or anything like that, but just just in the company that I keep. You know what I'm saying? And I oh yeah, I mean I feel you. You know, and, and I I ran with some people out yonder. You know that. You know, looking back on it, you know, we're still great friends, but it was like, wow, I did that shit. Maybe, but, you know, I'm glad it worked out is mostly what I always say to myself. I'm like, I never say I wish I never did that because that, uh -huh. that's what makes right now so awesome. My understanding is all the shit I went through by experience. So, yeah, I love yeah. going out there. I do love going out there because I always learn something when I go out there. If I ever think I'm in a rut, go someplace that, that used to be Soviet block, man, and just be like, all right, this is how you get down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah, this is how you get down from a much worse position than we've ever been in in yeah. the UK or New York or yeah. Whenever, so, anybody yeah. in New York, I just got back from New York. People are like yo, the club scene sucks here. I go, you know what? Y'all could be in Zagreb. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I remember we, Zagreb. We, we we pimped out Zagreb in '97 or something like that. We know it's known around the criminals in our clique as Z Town. It was like. <laughs> I mean, we, we, it was just, it, it went down in history. Zagreb. Oh, yeah. Is, is I, I, I probably big in Zagreb as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was like as if there was. To do it. it. Yeah, it was like, you know, as, you know those, those, uh, those horrible, like, uh, disaster movies of, like, the 70s, like, you know, earthquake and stuff, where all this <laughs> bad shit's happening and people are just like, fuck it, man. Let's just fucking get down. The, the stereo still works, you know? And. And that kind of mentality, and yeah. also, but also, you know how like they show different people, like like remember those those movies where like there was asteroids coming to Earth, and Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis saved us. Remember those yeah. movies? And you show all the people around the world looking at the asteroid coming at them, and we'd be like, oh shit, we are all just one humankind. This is lovely for that brief moment. That's yeah. kind of it. That's kind of it. When you party like that, where you're just like. <laughs> This is us human beings, and it's fucking getting really bad really soon. That was always the craziest place, man. 
Yeah, and... And that's a state yeah, of mind. Like, that's not an When it comes place. down to it, like, oh, all, the, all emotions are the same, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Love is the same, euphoria is the same, like... I mean, I've seen that behavior in many countries, and most of them are Soviet bloc, ex-Soviet mm. bloc, I should say. Lovely countries with their own rich histories, I should add. Cause a lot oh, of people absolutely, be like, yeah. I mean, I, I love Bulgaria. We go down to Burgos, which is down by the, the ocean. It's beautiful. I mean, like, mm. it, it is literally, it's Mediterranean practice. I mean, it is actually, I yeah. believe. It's Adriatic. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Adriatic, but, you know, it's it's like I have a friend who was an agent who bought some land there on the water, and he's happy, bro, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we were just talking about New York. We mentioned New York there, and you've just been, right? Yeah, I just got back. Yeah, I was uh, doing a little bit of biz, seeing a bunch of people. Uh, I always try to go back there around this time of year just to, I don't know, just if I'm going to be everybody's New Yorker here on the radio and stuff, or <laughs> I, I, I really need to be, I got to be in New York a little bit more. Yeah, you need to get your fill. Yeah, so I, I'm going back more, and also because my, my, my youngest is older now where she can hang with granny, so it's not like a complete imposition, but, you know, to leave my wife if I can't take her, you know, because, mm -hmm. of course, she and I lived in New York for years, so we loved that motherfucker city. So yeah. if I'm there, it's usually, I was there by myself this week, but I was FaceTiming her by the Rockefeller tree with the kids in the background going, Daddy, move the tree, move it that way. You can't, you're no good on the camera. You know? Oh, that's safe. That's, but that's mad technology. That's why I love all that stuff where you're not really ever alone if you don't want to be. Yeah, it makes traveling a lot easier, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, I used to do that. It used to be heartbreaking, man. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. So, like... Tell me, tell me about New York. Like you said, you're everybody's New Yorker. So what is it that you get from New York? Because every time you come back from New York, it always just feels like you've like, like you've been plugged back in. Man, it's my Blarney Stone, homeboy. I mean, it, I, <laughs> as, as silly as that sounds, you know, it, 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 I literally, I, I run out of batteries and I just need to go. I walk on this, I probably, I was looking at my little health meter thing, because see how I do, like, walking miles and shit, and yeah. I was kind of impressed that, like, every day in New York, I was watching, like, walking, like, seven, eight miles, and oh, that's, man. so, so if, New, New York gets you fit, no, I cycled totally does, 14 yeah. miles one day in New York, and I was so fucking angry and cold at the end of it, but I cycled 14 yeah. miles, and yeah. I did not intend to, that, City keeps you fit. It does. And and I hang out with a dude, King, who's mad on his yoga tip. So it's like, we only take cabs when it's raining. And then it's hard to get a cab anyway. So No way. King is into yoga. Oh, yeah. King is like a super yoga dude, man. He's he going to be teaching me about the yoga, man. That's awesome. Okay, so just a heads up. Everybody he needs to go though. and check out the King podcast if you haven't already. And there's another one coming up. But oh, it's, God, it's a really awesome pod in the back catalog. Yeah. Um, <sighs> It, it's, and you, you're going to be as surprised as me when you hear that King does yoga and also delighted, I think. <laughs> but he's like the dude with like uh, nipple piercings and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth doing yoga. <laughs> and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? I remember, I remember yeah, when, just slinking around jazz clubs. No, I remember now with his nipple out. But I remember <laughs> we were friends maybe like two years. No, maybe a little bit over two, something like that, years. And he came in and visited me when I lived on, on Maui. He came out, and then, like, the next day, he's walking around, and he got his nipple pierced. I was like, both of them. I was like, yo, what is up, dude? He's like, what do you mean, what's up, dude? I was like, yo, 
you have your nipple pierced? Like, what does that mean? He's like, it means that I, I got my nipples pierced. So I go, is it like some weird sex thing? He goes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, all right, man, cool. All right. But you have to ask that question. And King is my question guy. I, he Same thing with me. He, he asks me questions, and I ask him questions, like genuinely questions. Like, I didn't know what a cis male was. Someone called me that, and I was like, "Is that mean like I'm a sissy? What the fuck does that mean? You know, did I just get offended or who, whatever?" And like, I was like, "King, what did, did I? Should I have been in this dude's ass about calling me a cis male?" He's like, "No, you are." I was like, "What is it?" He goes, "It just you. You were just a dude who thinks he's a dude that likes chicks." And I was like, "Wow, that's a thing now." <laughs> but yes, yeah, I mean to, to hear those kind of questions asked and answered. Is me and King, so I always look forward. We did record some stuff. I don't know how hot it is though, man. I might not be able to. We not, might not be able to put it out, frankly. Yeah, I mean, so just, again, just a little like behind the scenes tip for for the folks listening. This is how it goes. So Huey sends me some raw audio. Mm-hmm. I have the best time ever listening to it. I cut out all the best bits that you will never hear to protect <laughs> you against litigation. Um, and then we, uh, then we, you know, record some intros and stuff, and then we put out this finished product that we can sell to sponsors. And I get to keep the blooper reels. <laughs> I was, I was thinking earlier, maybe we should have like a private screening of all these, uh, of all like the snippets. Yeah, with like just, NDAs as tickets, you know. Yeah, like super, super exclusive. Yeah. Just a few people allowed. Yeah. A no, one-time thing. No barristers allowed. You know, can't have anybody with any recording devices. Yes, yeah. Like what happens in the room stays in the room. Well, I, I mean, just the last one with King, you actually said something hilarious about what we pulled out of King's thing because King had a thing that we couldn't talk about because it was it was illegal, frankly. Not on him. It wasn't his bad. <laughs> I mean, just something bad happened to him, and we couldn't talk about it, all right? And, and then it just, like, went down this whole road. I mean, normally, I'm cutting stuff out, and I'm, like, cutting out a sentence. This, uh, this just went into, like, 15 minutes. I'm like, we can't keep any of that. <laughs> I mean, I keep it, but we can't keep it. I, you know, Joe, I mean, you, you, are the, you, you do have this gold, you know, I mean, essentially, what we should do is should time capsule it, you know, and let, like, the next generation understand what it was like to not be able to say what you were saying, you know? I mean, and not, oh, not, like, not yeah. like we're censored, and I, I mean that in, in, a, in, a weird, in a weird way, because we're really not. But, I mean, just the way society does kind of shape the, the uh, I guess, you know, the ellipse of the conversation, you know what I mean? It's always going to be the same size, the conversation, because we're uh, the same peoples, but it moves around, you know, the compass. And right now, I think it's it's... It's always it's always sad when things are just binary, and I think I'm hearing a lot of like good music and terrible music. I'm watching good movies and terrible movies. I'm not watching anything that's kind of in the middle. So yeah, it's weird what you the, the kind of thing that you just said about like the conversation and and how it's being shaped, and that feels so true. It feels like we're living in this world of extremes. It, I think. In some ways, social media awesome because it's just blown, well, just the internet, really. It's just blown everything wide open. Everything is transparent now. People, corruption, things, companies, like nothing, nobody can hide. Mm-hmm. 
And I think in some ways that's a good thing where there's bad shit happening, there's stuff that's been going for years that really yeah. should be uncovered and people that are doing bad shit should be afraid of that and should be afraid that they'll be found out. <laughs> but at the same time, it's taken away all the mystery and all deep. And so, the, so there's a yeah, couple of points yeah. that I wanted to talk to you about on this. So one thing is... It's kind of something that you mentioned on one of the pods. I can't remember who you were speaking to. You talked about this thing that Liam Gallagher said once about how there, why there are no good rock stars left anymore because yeah, you've got us making the tea. Yeah, you've got to make the tea, you know. <laughs> no one's buying records. They're streaming, you know. Yeah, it's great, great quote. He's awesome. Yeah, and it, and it made me think, like, we've talked between ourselves about what you call this, like, the show-me-homey culture. I feel like maybe the criminals got signed, right? at the back end of when record companies were actually investing in bands and you could actually be a rock star. Well, I mean, um, yeah, when, when you didn't have to, you might choose to chuck the stuff in the back of the van because you want to stay in shape, but you didn't yeah. have to. No, no, I didn't have to do that shit. But, I mean, it is kind of weird. I mean, when, when we did get signed in 96, because we signed an eight-record deal, the industry was like, well, these guys are going to be here for a while because that was before there was so much turnover. So if EMI signs mm-hmm. this band, this trio from New York, for an eight-record deal, and they're producing it themselves, it has it rings of, you know, this this act will be along, be around for a while, or these people are serious, you know. Mm-hmm. So it allowed us, you know, allowed us the kind of the the freedom, the autonomy, really, from the big label nonsense, because we were popular right off the bat. So. Mm-hmm. Since we were producing our own material, there was no one really to talk to. We just had like a dude who was our, our go-between, our manager, and, and Mike Schnapp, who I talked to on the pod, was the, mm-hmm. was the catalyst for the band and the the mouthpiece for the band and all that kind of stuff for the label. He's you know, but when things started to get weird, and I think this is like an internet kind of thing because you look at for the last what what we say six thousand years, people have actually been hanging around with each other, acting like a society of some sort, you know. Mm-hmm. You figure that's a long time just to get to pre-internet as far as people, as society getting along and people finding an equilibrium and becoming human beings, the race of humans, rather than all these little, uh, you know, types of humans, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and then at that point, the internet happened, and I think just the contact that humans have with other humans was therefore exponentially grown. So we're like, there's so much happening as far as... Uh, human behavior and, and and natural selection working itself into that, like like problem solving stuff, that everything feels very abrupt and disjointed, and like you know, there's no rhythm in life, you know, that, that they used to be, because it isn't. Mm-hmm. There's all this information coming at everybody so fast, because you know, the human psyche is evolving at a rate that normally would take six thousand years, took you know twenty years or some shit, you know. That's crazy yeah. if you think about it. Just numbers-wise, and our brains didn't get any bigger. You know, we're still monkeys with alcohol, you know, <laughs> fucking with phones, you know. And that's the thing. People think they're as smart as their phone is, and that's where we kind of lose the whole point of evolving as, you know, a society. The internet has changed society so much in so many different ways. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, politics is now fake because everybody looks at people like they look at people on Instagram and on social media and you can tell who's real and who's fake. And then they look at their politicians and they go, holy shit, they're all fake. And they look well, at their rock stars and they go, holy shit, they're all fake. And now nothing's real. It's like everything's being torn down around them. 
And it's kind of a this bizarre a place to be. That I was saying about like the double-edged sword of like the good and the bad because mm-hmm. it's it's awesome that now, say, you know, corrupt politicians, which is the majority of them, get found out. Yeah. But it's also the fact that nobody can have a private life. Well, nobody yeah. can yeah. just yeah. you know tell a dirty joke I mean, and I'm get a, away with it. Like I like to because think, I like to think you know, a, yeah. politician, a rock star, mm-hmm. a radio presenter, like whoever you are, whatever you do, you should be able to have a private life where yeah. you get drunk and have sex and say funny things around the dinner table mm-hmm. that maybe you wouldn't say it in your life as a politician, but you might say it in your life as a or a buddy or whatever. And I think that it's kind of this double-edged sword where it's like it, it's definitely blown some things open yeah, and, and it's given us a lot of opportunities but it's also kind of crushed people and censored the conversation in a way that I think we didn't fully understand when we kind of dove headlong into the internet and social media and all of that stuff well yeah like I said the experiment's only been going for like you know a handful of years I mean you know who knows what's going to happen next year I mean you see things evolving at such a great rate just on it on a daily basis so it's crazy to think that we'll get to some kind of idea of that. And also, when you think about privacy, or you're talking, I always think mm-hmm. of, I, I'm a classy guy. I think mystery, you know? And the, the word mystery is just a matter of time now. That It's, it's just, it, you can't, if people can't figure something out, like, who is that? What's that mystery going on there? Then, you know, that mystery is only going to last maybe seconds, where a lot of things with bands that when I was growing up, listening to The Clash and shit, you never heard those dudes, like, you know, speak about all types of different shit. They had, you know, they rarely did interviews. You know, they play shows. They were real mouthy, but, you know, their music was what they were, their their art was what they were trying to convey to the world. Now it's, we have your art, because and your art doesn't really mean shit, because you're like Justin Bieber, and everybody writes your shit for you, and you don't produce nothing, and you sound like that song, and you sound like this song, and you got Rihanna on to feature vocal, and at that point, you have to be doing something else interesting with your life, so people become celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. and then they see Justin Bieber back with Selena Gomez, now his shit's relevant again, because we all want to, we all want that kind of like two-dimensional romance Hollywood thing we always have with some weird kind of human beings you know what I'm saying what guys say but yeah and it's like it's like you have to become a brand now you can't yeah, just be yeah. a band you yeah. have to be a brand yeah I mean it's, if you're just a band people are like what the fuck's wrong with you don't, don't you know you can cash in and that's the thing where wealth becomes the ulterior motive of everything like, because mm. we all want I mean look at the fact that Donald Trump's the president he's the, one of the he was the most famous rich guy in the world <laughs> you know what I'm saying of course boom we get what we deserve you get the government you deserve you know and I think Copernicus was one of those guys who was always thinking that shit comes in cycles I tend to agree you know I don't think things as bad as some people think it is but I don't think it's as good as some other people think I was never I was never in the habit of liking politicians I always could mm. see through them you know and and the frank, the frank fact that Donald Trump isn't a politician is a step in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. But I don't like him. I don't think what mm-hmm. he does is, is good for the, the world. It might be good for the United States, or he thinks so. And also keep in mind, this dude is like a rich dude. Why would he want to become president? It's a bummer, man. He knows all about Area 51. He can't say nothing. That must suck. It's killing him. For it's him. absolutely killing for him. him. He's that's, what he's, that's why he's drinking all them Diet Cokes, brother. Stress. <laughs> I can't talk about the UFOs, goddammit. Yeah, um, I totally get what you mean, though. And again, I think it's that 
it's all I feel like we've almost pushed we've pushed politics to that point and it makes sense that America well, was the first the to, point. No, to break at... almost because America's always done everything big done everything hard it's the melting pot of the world yeah you remember um, the movie Fight Club yeah <laughs> The movie, the, in, yeah. the, in the movie Fight Club, there was this great monologue about single serving, right? Mm-hmm. How it, you go to like a hotel and it'd be like a single serving soap thing, or when you're on an airplane, they give you single serve cream for your coffee or a single serve nuts or what have you. And mm-hmm. I think because of the, the personal device, the telephone, the iPhone, whatever, now everything it, we do is based on user-friendly interface, right? So everything that we do that's not speaking to an actual person is being polite to us, like being nice to us. The nicer it is to us, the more we use it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we, we get to this whole point where it's it's like, it's a, well, I'm saying personal interaction doesn't actually happen on any meaningful basis you know, anymore, which is really bugged out. Everything's kind of postmodern, and we just don't believe anything anymore. That's why those shows like Catfish are real big. Like you see dudes that are like in love with this this weird kind of like idea of being wanted, like for real, because everybody's an alter ego. And then and like that's the kind of the weird thing. Everybody has it all. Everybody's flexing for or was it uh, pimping for Instagram? Isn't that what Lil Bow Wow got caught doing? <laughs> Flexing for Instagram. I don't know. I didn't hear about that. I oh, was he like, was like, I'm, he was I'm like, a grandma. Oh, so, I'm, I'm always busy working. I don't keep up with this shit. I, and I don't think his name's Lil Bow Wow either. I'm probably being being mean to saying Lil Bow Wow. Well, Bow Wow, the rapper Bow Wow, Snoop's nephew or whatever he is, he got caught flexing, like standing next to a private plane, like Philadelphia, here I come, or wherever. And then someone taking a picture of him an hour later in a coach seat on a like an Eastern flight or whatever, you know, oh, and asleep, yeah. and, they were, and they were like flexing, you know, <laughs> whatever, and he got caught out there, but that's the thing, people do that, but for real, they do it, and they lie to themselves about it, and that's the bugged out part, where, you know, it, the things that should be relevant are, are just because we're interacting so much, the things that would that would resonate more in a, a normal, uh, normal paced life, don't have a chance to resonate so we don't know how we uh we don't know how the how that works anymore like because i know what stuff used to happen to me and it would be like bong like a big gong right and that gong would fucking go for days you know what i'm saying and i remember that that lesson in my life you know yeah and i just, and I just think yeah I, I, that makes so much sense it's it's we're in this weird we just live in this world of extremes we're in this weird place of like this dichotomy of it being like the most real time uh-huh. in terms of the fact that we have so much access to people and things that we and information that we never would have before uh-huh. but then that has almost like flipped on its own head and it's become the most fake time and yeah, it's like yeah. you know watching the watching the US election play out you had like the most politician-y politician you could get in Hillary yeah. Clinton yeah, and then man. you had the least politician like supposed politician and it's like it, it feels like it, we've gotten to this point where we can only go one way or the other um and it and it's kind of like we have to we've got to find a way to figure it out and we've got to find a way to kind of moderate ourselves and it's almost like we've got to pull back and slow down and kind of stop this thing that we think is evolution 
yeah, but it's I'm... actually kind of we're kind of like it's like we've come we've gone full circle and we've gone around the back and now we're just kind of fucking ourselves and I we got, haven't realized it yet <laughs> I, I got a crazy bio theory on that now there's this guy ray kurzweil right who wrote a great book called the singularity is near right it's about yeah you've spoken about it a couple about of this, times this, on this, this thing is yeah big, sounds really interesting this thing is part of the matrix of my outlook right and uh, essentially he talks about when biology and technology meet and mm -hmm. the human lifespan, which is, you know, 95, 100 years, is now doubled or tripled, where mm -hmm. a human being for very little money could take, because they'll have nano, nano computers that are so fucking small they fit a thousand in a, in a pill. You take them, they're programmed to go and, like, you know, eat out where you have a clogged artery somewhere, and then you just crap them out when you're done with them. And, and you know, it's like not, and you can literally build your own organs because biology is so advanced now through your own stem cells and shit that we can't even possibly think of. So anyway, then the lifespan is going to be 200 years or 250 or 300 years and then possibly infinite, right? So all this, this speed that in which life is now accelerating to, we're almost preparing for by the singularity of biology and technology, if you feel me. So, you know, we're like, it's so much shit to deal with and we only live till we're fucking 95 or 100. Be like, don't worry, we've got plenty of time now. So all this speed in which life will happen will just keep increasing to the, to the point where it'll, it'll just be a, a bizarre pace that people like my age would, wouldn't even understand what was going on in 50 years from now or something. Wouldn't even conceive, like, what the that's, fuck is going that's on? That's such an interesting theory. A friend of mine, uh, Lucy, uh, uh, Lucy Sheridan, she's a Super Bowl life coach. She talks a lot about the internet and comparison and all of that stuff. And she has this kind of phrase and this theory that she uses that we're, like, in the awkward toddler phase of the internet. Oh, oh, the yeah, internet man, is yeah. so young. Yeah, imagine. We haven't imagine one, yeah. really figured out how to use it yet. And it's almost like... Like a toddler, we're just like smashing our own shit on the wall at the moment, and can't we haven't figured puberty. out that's not what you do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, can't wait for puberty. That's gonna be lovely. <laughs> I mean, you're a dad of young kids. You know this. You well, know I, 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 I don't know puberty yet, but I imagine it'll be like a society at that point and wanting, being so full of itself, it will want to replicate itself in some other way. You know, yeah. so that might be colonization of other planets at that point. Where we're like, look how fucking awesome we are, you know, and we live to over 300, or we're just interfaced with, you know, with like biocomputers shit, you know, some kind of weird robot kind of with a brain in it. Like that shit in fucking Star Wars that Obi-Wan Kenobi with the dude had like four lightsabers flinging at him. General Grievous. General Grievous had like a real heart and lungs and like a, like a cerebellum or some shit, you know. Anyway, I thought that's how motherfuckers are going to be. Not going to two arms are going to be looking like lowriders and they're going to be looking like Decepticons and shit, man. Yeah, two arms, yeah. a fake lung, and a couple of thumbs because you still need to tweet. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully you'll be <laughs> hardwired. They think they're going to have all that voice recognition shit because all the uh, artificial intelligence shit is learning like crazy right now as we speak. People are talking to co a, a computer and that computer is learning how to recognize speech patterns and shit. So we'll just be talking to our device. We'll just have a name for it. It'd be like, you know, hey baby, and it'll turn on, and then you go call home, or text this, or tweet that, and the voice shit'll be, this is like within like two years. This shit'll be normal. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, when you see this stuff showing up in movies, I feel like if somebody can imagine it, it's probably already happening in some form. Like, yeah. it's, some, it's probably already being made or it's already being figured out. Like, it's this theory of collective consciousness. Oh, so yeah, if yeah. it's floating around in somebody's head, it, in some way it's kind of floating around in the idea space of everybody's heads. Yeah. And it's it's like being... Like, that idea is coming to fruition somehow because it's there. It's not like, oh, one person is so unique and they thought of this thing. Because that's how you get, like, simultaneous discovery yeah, in yeah. science is the idea was kind of floating around and then it's just that the resources all came together at the right time and then a few, you know, several different people in several different locations and, act, like, acted on something at the same time. Yeah, man. Yeah, Bigfoot, that's all I got to say, man. Bigfoot. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So we have some questions that we got on Twitter and some of the stuff that we've just covered, including um, your amazing accent, um, your amazing British accent, are kind of covered in these questions. So uh, these are from some of your Twitter followers. I felt like we're going to start off with this one, which is, I don't, it's kind of long, but I like it. Let's kick off with this. It's kind of serious. This is from someone on Twitter called Nakoya Music. I think it's a she. Sorry, I didn't expand your uh, thumbnail picture enough to see. Um, I think she says, uh, do you think the internet has made it easier or harder for emerging artists? And what are your views on major labels selling out their artists by exchanging shares in streaming sites for their catalogs? Is there any hope for new artists to make money? Wow, okay, so that's a loaded question because I know the answer, but if I tell you, then, then I win, and I, I don't want to win. I want us to win as, as musicians. So the idea is, is the record business like still actually selling records and making money for artists? No, and 
it's, it's a unique time for artists. If you're good or if you're great, because I think that's what's important right now. We don't have time mm -hmm. for good. We just have time for great and amazing and legendary and epic. We don't have anything for, oh, that band will be good if you, if you let them play the circuit and they'll get better as a live band and then our songs will get tighter. And, you know, that shit doesn't, that kind of record company advice on that level doesn't ever happen anymore. That has to be like, you have to know that already. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have so much savvy to be in the show business realm now that, you know, like you mentioned it before, Joe, it's, it, it's a brand now. You know, so mm -hmm. you're not going to come out of it like, you know, Jerry and the Pacemakers with one track and then that track will turn into you going back into the studio. You'll have to have a whole album done already that, I mean, it's kind of strange because you can't ever tell because the way the human, like you said, the, the, the uh, you talk about human conscience, con consciousness, you know what I'm saying? Like general human consciousness is, is interacting so much now that like you saw what happened to that girl Cardi B. That girl from mm -hmm. New York, that rapper girl, she, she's like, I, I know I grew up with girls like that, exactly like that. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the whole idea with that, the accent and that matter of fact attitude. And now she's mm -hmm. one of the biggest stars in the world from that one song, right? And she's doing her shit and she knows that she's got maybe, you know, another 14 minutes. And I think that's, that's an extendo, 14 minutes. I mean, it, it's, it's what you're doing when, while you're in the game now that's what's important. Like, if you, like, I mean, Puffy started when he started Sean John and he started making fucking clothes and shit. And then, you know, that was what a, a mogul did back then, right? And that was mm -hmm. him after he was already a dude with like a couple hundred million dollars. I mean, Sean's bright dude, one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. And he, he just kept diversifying and kept diversifying and did the whole brand thing where Puffy mm -hmm. and Jean Jean and that shit, you know, they're still selling Jean Jean shit at TK Maxx, man, you know this. And mm -hmm. he's still making money. And it's, it's a weird way to do it now because if you get in it to make money, which is essentially what you're doing, the music is just a get over. So all you have to do is just get someone's attention for how long is the song now? Two and a half minutes? On, when you listen to one of them hot 97s or whatever, maybe, and they talk over the other half of mm -hmm. it. So you got to get in there with something and then pull a move and, and make someone pay more attention to you because the more attention that's paid to you is the longer you can burn in the limelight, right? So you're not there to make great music because that's dumb. Why would you do that? That would If, you, if you're prone to just make great music... You would never try to do things like diversify. You'd be like, I want to concentrate and be a musician, and that's all I want to ever do. Like, that's all I ever wanted to do, Joe. I would have been yeah. happy to have continued touring and going in the studio and make a record, and then continued to touring and going home to go make a record and made like, you know, a pattern out of it. You know, like, you see, like, I don't, I'm not mm -hmm. saying the, the Foo Fighters, because they're a great band, and they're a legendary band, but you see what they do, they're still doing stuff. And they started around the same time we did, so, you know, I thought that would that that's how I would love to have kept rolling. Just been in a band, I'm not as popular as the Foo Fighters, but just have done that. But the way shit works is that you do things different than you thought you were going to do it. <laughs> you know, that's how life is, right? Mm -hmm. So I got to the point where I wanted to do other stuff, and and because of that, I learned how to do other stuff. And I think a lot of times is we don't want to put the work in because the end game is just money at, at that. So a lot of people don't want to think that hard work equals money. 
You know, that mm-hmm. guy Gary V. we were talking about him yesterday, right? I mean, yeah. a dude like that, his ethos is hard work, hard fucking work. You know, he's always mm-hmm. like, I'm dirt, yo, I'll go do that, I'm dirt homes, like that. It's, and he's great New York vibe with that, because it's true, sometimes you got to be that to get that. So, yeah. I, I guess that's what we need more hustle, but I don't think we're going to get more great music, because it's also, you, if you have good music, you just put it on the fucking internet, and mm-hmm. it's out in the world, because I don't think all the best music that I've heard lately is being sold. You know, I mean, there's places like Bandcamp that like T-Bone, Tom Wally, my boy does the Huey show with me. Mm-hmm. That's like my homie. He's my G. He, that's his fucking area. He's like, yo, check this. Wow. Boom. And it's like some, some dude who's like, you know, doing it in Toledo, Ohio in his basement. It's just this fucking crazy shit you've never heard before. Yeah. And it's just something that, you know, might push through, but then it has to have something else attached to it. So it's like everybody has to be the next something. Because our attention is so limited, you know? Yeah, and I think I, and everybody's mind is so oversaturated with, with oh, yeah. sounds, with oh, yeah. ideas, with um, that it has to be, it's going to have to be something to catch your attention, but then it's going to have to be a whole other something else to hold your attention. Yeah, it's going to be like grime porn, like, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be something crazy <laughs> like that. Because, yo, remember that, was that Children of Men thing with Owen, uh, that actor, the English dude? Clive Owen. Oh, Clive Owen, yeah, I love that dude. I introduced Becky to him one time at a gig. He's a cool dude. I love him. But he was in that movie, fucking dreary as fuck, right? Yeah, that was a miserable remember the, remember the music that he was listening to on the radio when he was going to see Michael Caine? It was Witness to Fitness, right? That was the oldie station, right? Uh-huh. Well, I love Roots Maneuver. But the other stuff was like this crazy, like, the, the, art, art, like, just noise music. Like, clang, 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 clang. Like, these super industrial, you know, bugged out percussive music, right? And you think that's, like, as crass and as banal as, like, a creative can get in, if when they're doing things in the context of a film just imagine what reality is going to be like man the music's well, going to be fucking that's, crazy that's scary if that's in the collective consciousness and oh. that's been oh, <laughs> that's man. out there in a movie because it means it's coming yeah it just means it like yeah exactly like someone we're going to have to listen to them fuck that music or like remember in Demolition Man with Sly Stallone and Sandra Bullock oh yeah I don't think I've seen oh, that movie oh girl go see that movie that movie's hilarious they have sex but they don't have sex they have sex they like with these good headsets on, it's fucking crazy. It's the 80s. It's nuts. <laughs> and at one point, they're in the police car listening to the radio, and it's like, you know, it was like, by men in, and she's like, oh, I love that song. And it was just like, oh, snap. Yeah, because music becomes just so matter-of-fact now, because, you know, like, before we had, like, uh, like not 80% of our day being advertised to I think that's the average or something like that for an adult in, in the western world mm-hmm. that, that you know we had more time right but now that it's it's such a limited amount of time yeah yeah so I suppose the long and the short of the answer is um, you gotta be I mean you, the whole thing is like, if yeah you, you can you can make money as a new artist if you're willing to be yeah, a brand be. as well and if you're willing to immediately div- diversify yeah. as soon as any kind of music catches on because yeah. you're only gonna have 14 minutes in the sun yeah yeah I mean you know like have be under no illusions that's what I have to if I tell people believe me you, if you're not savvy on like a business level a creative level and like I don't care if I get my feelings crushed level because I mean you have mm-hmm. to if you're a creative you have to open up your heart to create the good shit but mm-hmm. also to 
to walk a mile in them shoes in that business, you have to be hard as well. So it's a, it's, it, you have to believe in yourself if you're going to do stuff like that. That's why I think you see the people that can do it all do it all really well. Like you see that dude, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, he's like, mm-hmm. he's like just a, that guy. You know what I mean? He's you know fantastically good looking dude that's really cool. You know, like every guy's like, yeah, I hang out with that motherfucker. And every girl's like, I hang out with that motherfucker. That's like the Frank Sinatra formula they used to say. Mm-hmm. Where you know guys want to hang out with them and girls want to hang out with them, you know what I'm saying? And if a, if a guy, if a if a, a star had both of those things, mm-hmm. that, like a male star, uh, that would be the way it goes. And, and the whole thing now is because of you know the, the sexualization of everything, right? You have that aspect of someone's got to be, uh, they've got to be willing to be have nothing be private, like you mentioned before. Like it's all out mm-hmm. there. Like you know that should happen with Rita Orla and. Colin McGregor's, did you hear about that? Well, I think I've heard rumors about this. People people give me news. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. I accidentally saw this, and now I'm just like, what in the fuck? No, no you can't unsee it. And it's just stuff like that that, that you know, like, you, you can't, nothing is private. A conversation will never be private, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a thought process is, is un, unimportant. Like, I remember I, I loved Muhammad Ali since I could remember being aware of Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? That was my guy. Everything he did, everything he uh, stood for, and check this out, everything he changed his opinion on, too. You know, and as a guy who's almost 50 now, right, he had this great saying, if you believe what you believed at 20, then you do at 50. You've wasted 30 years of your life. I think Mm -hmm. that's absolutely true. And And this is coming from a guy who's already... 50 you know almost 50 right so when if you want advice for young people from me the one thing that i can say that is that transcends all the changes in technology and angles of hustle is you got to believe in yourself you got to trust yourself and that's hard Mm -hmm. to do and you got to look at yourself for who you really are and from there you can you can build the best friendship ever but you got to really meet that person and trust them, and that's so. If you're a musician, and you want to do that. You trust yourself. Go, you'll kick some ass. Yeah, take your face out of your phone for five minutes. Get to know who you are. Stop looking at what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, I mean, obviously, you have to have a flex. I mean, I'm horrible at that shit, Joe. You know, for I just a lot of times I will have arguments with people, and then I'm like, yo, what the fuck, man? I gotta do shit, and then it's just like you get caught up and stuff. And then I realized if this was like real world shit, like if I was walking on my block and some dude was like, hey, yo, you, I'm like, what's that? And he goes, yo, what do you think about Joe Biden being a little touchy feely? Like, I, I don't, I, I gotta go to the store. I'm with my babies. Why are you asking me this shit out loud? Are you dumb? And I move on. All right. Yeah. But on Twitter, we have to be these people that have all the time in the world for dumbasses shouting shit at us in the street. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it reminds me of the thing that Ricky Gervais says. He says, like, Twitter made it that, like, your opinion is, is, is as important as my fact <laughs> or as a fact. This whole, whole thing with social media, again, it's like, just because you have a platform to say something, it doesn't make what you have to say more important or profound all of a sudden. It also doesn't make it any less important or profound but it's that self-awareness and that self-knowledge to know like when it's when it's time to engage or when it's time to not absolutely right you know what i think a lot of that 
a lot of that comes with maturity of and experience at dealing with life, you know. And I think mm -hmm. I think we're expecting young people to be too in on their shit too early. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. get on my shit until damn, I, I'm 27. I was working up to that point. That's when I when I got the record deal. So I was doing a bunch of shit, getting my stuff right. Now, if I was trying to do that shit now at 27, I'd be like the weird old guy, like Robin Thicke's kid. What his name? Uh, that dude, you know what I'm saying? I'd be like that motherfucker trying to get over. Like, what the fuck is he doing, man? He's friends with Pharrell. His track's dope. All right, fine. It's not my kind of music, though, man. All right, no, no, why? No, no, I know. No. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on. We've got some more questions. Um, so, Tom Williams, who I know you're a big fan of. Love that guy. Um, he said, what is the best guitar you wish you still had? Um, have you got any amazing gear that got away? Wow, Tom, you know, the, the, the thing I immediately think of is a 19, ooh, 19, early 60s, like 123, 61, 2 or 3. We hadn't really figured that out at the point I, I had it. Gold Top Les Paul. So it was early days Les Paul Gold Top that I had gotten from this girl I knew in L.A. who used to like live with this guy who directed a video for us who was a friend of mine and she had this guitar at her house in LA and she's like hey do you want to buy a guitar and I was like why she goes I want to I want to sell this dude shit and I was like you know what I don't want to get involved in all this stuff so I called the dude up I was like she's trying to sell one of your guitars man he's like <clears throat> he goes like which one I was like I don't know so she told me it was like this this gold top thing that said Les Paul on it and I was like yo it could be worth some money dude and he's like you know, fuck it, man. Buy it, and I'll take a look at it. And if I want it, I'll buy it from you when you get back to New York. So I just, get, I said, I'll give you a thousand dollars for it. She's like, fine. So I grabbed the guitar, brought it back to New York, hung out with this dude, came by my house because I had my guitars like out, like as like you know, like children before I had children. They were just fucking everywhere. Now the children are everywhere playing guitar. It's great. <laughs> and uh, you know, <clears throat> it, it was, it was. He was, he was, I was like, I, he goes, I like it, but I, I don't want it for $1,000. I was like, fine. Well, I got it. And then I went and I had it appraised, right? And the guy who had it, like, took the numbers down, took pictures of it, and then I was taking it back from his workshop to my house. I used to live on 8th Avenue and 18th Street, right, in Manhattan. And I was in a taxi, and I was with this, uh, this woman who I was dating who was a singer in a band in England, and... She was just doing my head in, and I was in a taxi with her, and she was complaining about something. And, like, I'm, I'm a sensitive man. You can talk to me, but when you start taking it to the yell thing, I'm just like, I, I can't really. If I, I just don't respond to that stuff. I just kind of shut you down. So I was shutting someone down, right, and gotten out of a taxi where I lived and just paid the dude and kept walking and left the, the guitar in the trunk. Shit. And, uh, you know, obviously... That was the last time that woman and I hung. Yeah, I, I, once I realized oh, the guitar was there. And then the dude got back to me and said it was probably like, you know, not super expensive, maybe, you know, between like seven and ten grand, but like still real nice old guitars in mint condition. It had never been played, so all that shit. Oh, so beautiful and worth so much money to leave in the back of a taxi. Yeah, man. But that was the only guitar that I could think of that got away. All the rest of them I held on to. Well, I got a couple that stolen. I had a, another black Gibson Chet Atkins because they're they're hard to get. I bought another one just for safety, and then that one got lifted with the Howard Roberts Fusion, which is another Gibson 
single cutaway like jazz guitar when we came back from Australia one time. But I like I didn't I wasn't really loving those guitars that much. So mm -hmm. they gave me some insurance money and I went and bought some old Gibsons, which was, you know, they're nice to have. That's probably like my, my sexy gear are these these like I have this old Gibson Les Paul Junior that's just the guitar. You know, it's the it just does it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever you need doing, just grab that guitar, it'll probably take care of it. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Um so we got a question from Nathan Downs. He says if there's one memory that just sums up the fun loving criminals for you, what would that be and why? Well, you know, recently, because I just got back from New York and I was chilling with, with Mateo at Blue mm -hmm. Ribbon in New York. Meet Mateo and King were out having dinner. And Blue Ribbon's this lovely place in the village that we've been going to for 25 years, right? So it, we reminded ourselves of what we were doing 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. we, were going, uh, we were going on a lyric writing expedition, which was mm -hmm. a label-sanctioned, non-recoupable lyric writing expedition for me and Matteo DeFontaine to Los <laughs> Angeles, California. Five-star, you know, first-class airfare. Five-star hotel for, I think we were there for three weeks. I, we, where were we staying? Oh, fuck, was it? It was the one... No, was it the more... No, it was... Oof, I think some of it was... Was it an apartment? No, I think we were staying at the Mondrian. Oh, my God, that's it light it up oh my gosh yes so we were staying at like you know a thousand dollar a night hotel we in a suite because he had needed a room too so i we had two bedrooms and a like a suite fucking crazy and that song i remember because fun of criminals was just we we had just gotten paid from selling uh from selling uh come find yourself and we mm -hmm. were starting to do the other record and i was like well we need to do we need to do a little living man we just been in a tour bus for the last year and a half and I said, yo, we need to do a lyric writing expedition. And I sold that shit to the, <laughs> to the head of the label, man. I was like, dude, we need to do a lyric writing expedition. He's like, what the fuck is that? I was like, that, that's me and like Mateo, because Fast don't want to leave his apartment. <laughs> and we're going to go fucking to L.A. and just fuck shit up and just live life, ride motorcycles over Mulholland, hang out in, you know, wherever crazy club in, in like, you know, East L.A. Cholo shit because we know all those dudes from Cypress Hill <laughs> and then we'll be over in Hollywood because we know a couple we know Johnny and, and Vince over at, uh, at the Viper Room oh man yeah it got really crazy and I remember we were there there was like the fifth day and we were coming over the top of the valley right so we were coming from the valley in North Hollywood right mm -hmm. a Barry White song came on the radio right and Mateo and me are driving, windows down, songs thumping. And I look at him, I go, Mateo, he's like, yeah, I go, Barry White saved my life. And he goes, really? Nah. I go, yeah, got me back with my ex-wife. He went, hey, we need to pull over. I go, why? He goes, that's a lyric. <laughs> we, we literally pulled over and all these hikers and shit, you know, on the top of the, you know, the top of the mountain there about Hollywood sign. We're mm -hmm. over there. We're like trying to find something to write on. We don't a pen. We're zooted. We're trying to fucking... We have this big 4 by 4 I don't know what the kind of a Bronco or some of the shit. It was like because we wanted to... We wanted the OJ car too, so I think it was a Bronco. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, we, it was a black Bronco. Yeah, my God. Yeah, that's what I think of when I think of Fun Loving Criminals right now. 
I think of going <laughs> over there and looking for a pen and finding this lady who led, led us a pen. And we wrote, Barry White saved my life, got me back with my ex-wife, then period, 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 Barry White. And then that... <laughs> And then we hung out in L.A. for another three weeks. <laughs> I love that you were on a lyric writing expedition without a pen. <laughs> that's, that's the, this was before phones, the whole fucking deal, you know? This was 1997-ish, 98-ish, you know? That's wow. awesome. Well, so this brings me on to the next question. This is a kind of a fun one, but perfectly segued. It's from uh, Barakiosaurus, mainly because I couldn't actually say his surname. This is a, it's a Turkish dude called Barak. <laughs> he says, have you been told any stories of Barry White getting someone back together with their ex-wife? <laughs> See, uh, you know, I, what I like about what just happened there, right, is Barry White is relative to that dude and Barry White is relative to me. Uh-huh. That's what Barry White did. So yeah, Barry White got me back with my ex-wife. Barry White got people to do things that people might not normally have done. And I think it's great that, you know, I'm looking 20 years later that Barry White did something for me. You know, I, I remember I met him when I was a kid. When I was cutting school, I saw him come out of his car on 57th Street. I was with my boy Mario and my boy Harley. And we were like, yo, uh... Who the fuck? I was like, yo, that's Barry White. Fuck, man. He got a fur coat on, big white fur coat. He's wearing a white suit with a white, big old fur and a big old hat. I mean, it was like the 70s. It was the 70s, frankly. It was like 1978, 1979, you know? Crazy. And he was with this beautiful woman. Oh, my God. They went in. They, yeah, it was nuts. And I was like, are you? I said, are you Barry White? And he was like, yes, I am. I was like, wow. He was like, you have, he goes, you, you should be in school, son. I was like, I know. And he was like, go back to school. I was like, all right, Barry White. And I went back to school. Oh, my God. Barry White's done a lot for you, Huey. He did that for me. So when I realized that lyric just popped out of nowhere at the, on the expedition in Hollywood, I was like, all right, so that we're doing that. And I was like on the phone with Fast, like, you know, because when you do a landline call back in the day, that's how we were mm -hmm. like, get back to the hotel so we can call this motherfucker, man. Yeah. Like phoning it in like a yeah. reporter. It goes, and he's like over the phone, like boom, boom, boom psh, like that. I'm like, yeah, 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 exactly like that. Boom, boom, boom psh, like just keep going. Boom, 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 psh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly how it went down. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we're gonna round up with one last question, and I don't even know if you can answer this question because I don't even really know what this question is. Okay. Um, it's from Amy Sacco. Um, well, Amy Sacco, Amy Sacco from Bungalow Eight, Amy Sacco. Yeah, who I were, I <laughs> That's lost my, own girl. my shit listening to you and Uncle Mike talking about Amy Sacco and Bungalow Eight on Amy, the pod shit. because Amy I remember queen, being bro. She's the queen. way too young to queen watch Sex in the City, somewhere oh, between the ages of like ten and fifteen, and. I remember when Bungalow 8, they did like the opening of Bungalow 8 mm -hmm. on Sex and the City. Mm -hmm. And I remember Carrie was like, you have to have a key to get in. And it was like the most exclusive yeah. club on the scene. And I was like, Bungalow 8? I, didn't I, had, a key. I yeah, had a key. 11 years old. I'd never been to a club. Wow. They're talking about Bungalow 8. I'm like, oh, this is like this whole other world to me. And then she, and they go in there and there's this there's this scene and I don't know if it was actually in Bungalow Eight or if it was just big a set, striped, but it was big striped banquettes, polka dot yeah. banquettes. Yeah, that was and, it. Yeah, 
And it just, and then you started talking about it, and I was like, shit, because in my mind, it was like this mythical place. It was. And then it, I'm like, I'm hey, there, yo, my that, friend Huey had a drink there. Yo, I, they, I was on the menu. A drink was called the Huey, and it, it was seasonal. <laughs> it was, check this out. First of all, just to back it up, Amy Sacco, my sister, I love that girl. I love that woman. All right, now, I remember her. Uh, back at Boulay, then she was she she started uh, Lot sixty one. Uh, that's how mm-hmm. I know. Uh, that's why I put I put Ben Pundle and her together back in those days. Fantastic people. I love them to death. She's fantastic. She started Bungalow Eight. We were the regulars. Me and Uncle Mike and King and Mateo. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were just those guys. And she, you know, we kept it, we kept the place clean for her. You know what I mean. Uh-huh. Make sure there wasn't any bad shit going on, and she was she had brothers of her own, so she didn't super need our help, but we offered it, and sometimes we needed it. She needed it, but not it wasn't like that. You know, we didn't have a stake in it or nothing, but we were there all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things where every once in a while, because we'd always whenever we'd sit down, we'd give them a hundred dollars. The waitress, we just wherever we sat down, cause she wouldn't charge us. So every mm-hmm. round, we'd give her a hundred dollars. So if the girl looks after us for two hours, she's got about five hundred dollars. That's how she would probably would have made getting a tip anyway because Amy wouldn't take our money. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the staff loved us, but every once in a while, someone more famous than, or more loved than us would come in. I wouldn't say more loved, but more famous, right? And Amy would be like, yo, guys, uh, fucking Meryl Streep's here. Come on, I don't want to sit. I was, I was like, oh, no, we'll get No, no, we were always like, oh, no, no, we'll get up because we'd love to see these people. Because, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, like, New Yorkers, you're like, when would I ever have met Meryl Streep? So Meryl Streep comes in, and you're getting up out of a bank, and you're like, hello, Meryl, how are you? She goes, oh, hello. Oh, you're so lovely. Oh, you, you know, gives you a pinch in the cheek. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, fatal attraction. Go ahead, sit down, honey. And you just say hello. <laughs> and it was like a thing. Because we're guys from New York, so we'd be like, oh, we just met that girl from the fatal attraction thing. Watch. She was nice. She was nice. Yeah, she sat down. Very tan. Very tan. You know? <laughs> And then that's you. And then you go off. You you stand over another corner and you drink. Or you go to the DJ booth because we were DJing there. Mateo was uh-huh. DJing there like two, three times a week. So we were hanging out upstairs, smoking grass with Kevin Costner. I mean, you know, just bizarre shit that you would be like, "Holy fuck, dude!" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, like it was so bizarre that if I started telling people what happened there, they'd think I was talking about UFOs. Like when people start talking about UFOs or the Illuminati. It would people would be like, yo, Huey's fucking crazy, man, like that. Because it's so bizarre and disjointedly immense, that club. But that's the whole point. No one ever talked about it. That's why it still holds that thing. But Amy, I love her to death. Why? What did she say? She's going crazy. So she, she just said, I want to know what had happened. What had been had happened. <laughs> I felt like. Maybe, is that the answer to the question? Yo, you know what, that's a saying that a mutual <laughs> friend of ours, pretty pretty Nick, Nick Lord, he's one of my, my dudes, he's uh, an old school supreme dude from back in the day, but he was also a model, not because mm-hmm. he wanted to, but because they actually were like, you, you need to be a model, he's like, huh, really, money, girls, all right, he was just like a skateboarding dude, awesome guy, <laughs> he lives in like South Carolina now or something like that. Uh-huh. We keep in touch on the socials. Great dude, awesome dude. He used to be up like, "Yo, you're not supposed to be there." We're like, "What are you talking about?" He'd be like, "You just come up in the middle of the night. We'd all be fucked up or whatever." Right? The the Huey drink just for the record, so you know what I'm drinking. In the summer, it was Stoli on the rocks with a splash of soda, mm-hmm. and like in port, you know, a lot of a lot of vodka. And in the in the winter, it was Johnny Walker Black 
and a splash of soda on in a man glass, like a small rocks glass, you know? Mm-hmm. Not a tall little, like, highball, but a, like a rocks glass you see people drink scotch out of. Yeah. It's one of those, a man glass. That's what it said. It yeah, said, I It say slowly on the rocks <laughs> in a man glass. That was on the menu. So I was fucking drinking that. No mixers. Fuck that, you know? So we were drunk out of our minds most of the time we were in that place. And we were smoking the weed. So there was a lot going on. No one was really playing with the powder, though, which is to our benefit because we just so many people just make complete fools of themselves. It was hilarious. Quite frankly, you know, and those were the days that we were too young to be fucking with that shit anyway. And that's when I think, because also you get to that point, man, when you, you, you're too in the mix to fuck with that. It's like usually you think of people who are just kind of like fading. You know, if they way too drunk, you take a little bit just to wake up. But people who wanted to do that to hang out, we just thought that was crazy. So, I mean, we saw all the famous people all bashed out and just acting stupid and shit like that. But it, it was it was a nutty place to hang, man. It was a nutty place to hang. I don't know how much Amy can talk about in terms of, because I'm sure there's, there's uh, you know, there's mystique and there's mystery. Maybe Bungalow is the last place on earth where there's still that well, mystique and mystery we were talking about is, is lost. Yeah, but um, I feel knows. like we need to get Amy on the pod. You know, I would love to talk to Amy. I was trying to, when I was back, I was trying to get Amy around one of these nights, and I couldn't do it. But I know that, you know, now just talking to you, I'll just text her right now and just be like, yo. Because, yeah, yeah she definitely needs to do that. And I'm going to be back, I think, mixing the fun of a criminal's record right after the first of the year for a couple weeks, too. So that'll be great. Bring the kids over. They'll see some New York in the winter, do some, do some snow, because, you know, we're, we're moving towards into another city in England. And it's just like, fuck, man. Snow. There's no snow in the cities anymore, man. Oh, there's snow up here. You need to come up north, Huey. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm down south, man. I'm going to Bath, you know, so. <clears throat> I mean, I imagine it'll be like any city where it's just too fucking warm. There's too much shit going on for, for snow to stick in the UK. Okay, so one final question before we wrap up. Do you like Christmas? You know what? Uh, I, I, I answer that question. No, I like I like the fact that certain people in my family are moved beside themselves with joy at this time of year, and that moves me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I know it's, you know, it's a religious holiday for a lot of us, mm-hmm. you know. So, with that said, I mean, I, I think people who aren't necessarily religious are taking stock of their loved ones and their family and their progress in life, and in a lot of ways, you know, getting ready for the next year ahead of them and, and you know as it used to be the, the, the shortest the shortest day of the year then the next day is the step in the right direction you think right so mm-hmm. with that with that yeah it's an important time for me you know I was brought up Roman Catholic I was you know altar boy and all that kind of stuff so I mean for me you know it's it's there's a lot religious bit going on so there's also stuff happening with my family over the holidays too so it, for me, it's a it's a it's a time for me to realize that you know, faith is is something that is relative to your consciousness. Like I don't know <clears throat> if I can explain to another person what my faith does for me mm-hmm. or what my faith is because I don't mm-hmm. think you, I can really define it. I can't say, well, I'm a this kind of that kind of this kind of whatever. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just kind of I know there's something bigger than us. And I'm mm-hmm. and trying to do the best I can to make myself closer to that. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what that's what the holidays do, does for me. And my babies are young and they're beautiful, and it's just it's a joy to be with them and my my lovely wife. So and my mom's coming over. She had a rough year, uh, and then I see you know Becky's parents, and then I see Becky's sister and and her kids and and her husband. They're they're all family. So this will be the last one in in the country house too. So it's kind of like a a change there too, which is kind of interesting because you know I never thought that me and Becky would be country people and it's kind of interesting to realize that it's okay to be and you know the good thing about it you learn from anywhere you are so I think that's it was a great thing for us but yeah we're going to be you know moving not too far away but you know it could it could be a million miles in a lot of ways pretty yeah. soon yeah. yeah it's a new era for you after this after this Christmas I suppose yeah this, I mean I was just got back from New York and I was really had a crazy meeting with a guy out there that just a lot of opportunity just presented itself which I you know you know I didn't I didn't think was available to me I thought it would be mm. I thought I'd have to put in more work and I'm totally down to do that you know me I'm I'm all about the hustle and the grind and just getting there and, and letting people know that you know authenticity sometimes is what you really want to have going on and that's always been kind of a positive thing for me to do. So to be able to do that the way I think I'm going to do it with this show idea is really, I'm really psyched for that, man, especially in America, because it's one of those things where I just be some other dude. And that's kind of why I think I sold myself short because I thought I'd just be one of 300 million. But then mm -hmm. I realized I'm a kind of unique guy anyway, which is kind of weird. Cause my, my, I guess my, I'm not as self-absorbed as most lead singers in rock bands should be. I suppose that's what, that's what happens when you're in the military first, right? You're going to get some of that shit knocked out of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you get that, you get the swagger stick, but <clears throat> it's also, I know that, like, you know, you know, you know Becky, and, and Becky's going to keep me real, and that's why, you know, that's why I love her so much, and my friends, you, you know, if you know my friends, they keep me very real. If you know King and Uncle Mike and Mateo... And fast yeah. and frank. All of whom are on the pod, by the way. Well, you know People what I'm listening. You need to check out the. You can hear these real conversations with Huey's closest friends from New York. Yeah, you I, need I, to I, tune into these. They're some of the best pods. I always thought that that was the great shit to be a fly on the wall because that's when when I started listening to podcasts. I felt on the good ones that I was a fly on the wall in a conversation. Like holy shit. This I I never had this experience in my entire life, and you find the the magic of a podcast, and you're like, holy shit, it's awesome. Mm. You know, that, and, and when I said I'm gonna do one, that's why people were complaining about the sound. It's like I know, I know, I know, I'm working on something, I'm gonna fix it, but I have this the Zoom thing that's really unobtrusive, and that's the mm -hmm. thing when I've I've in my experience at being interviewed and and talking, the less you see of apparatus. For me, the less you realize it's there. So the small little thing, which I'll get something that sounds a little bit juicier, and it won't have the wind damage. But you know, we're working on that. But the point is, is like I get it, and it's to be a fly on the wall. That's why I've been able to talk to some of these people because I can just throw this little thing down, and we just start talking. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it just flows, and it doesn't feel like you're on a set. Yeah, and, and if it's one of your homeboys, it just goes like that. But yeah, I'm doing. I'm gonna do one with Frank. And I'm going to do one with Fast, separately. Because, you know, as Fast said, he was like, I'll never get a word in edgewise. So. <laughs> yeah, but that's fair. I don't think anyone gets a word in edgewise with Frank. Well, me and Frank. Yeah, me and Frank in room. There's no <laughs> oxygen. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, 
love Frank, I love Frank. We, we tell Frank, we, we give Frank the hard time. Like he's the lead singer, man. I'm just the rapper. He's the lead singer. <laughs> oh my God! Don't get Frank on the mic. <laughs> oh, he's uh, well. He, I mean, that's the thing. Frank, you know, he, and we all know it is a one of a kind, and he has his own thing going on with Uncle Frank. And yeah. it's, fan it's fantastic. But you go and see it, and it, it's like you know, it, he's you know, he's he's the the abominable showman. <laughs> He's such a dude. Okay, so Hugh, we're gonna wrap up. All right. Um, I'm I'm gonna do the business in the back part so that we don't have to record an outro just for my joy and ease. So thanks everyone for listening. This has been Huey Morgan and his producer Joe. Hi. Hey yo, hey yo, <laughs> and jo hey yo Joe. <laughs> so please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Spread the love. It's the Nottingham way. Uh, <laughs> nice. Tell everyone about the pod. And hang out with Huey on social media too. You can catch him on Twitter at Official Huey and on Facebook at Huey Morgan Official where he goes live for your delight. Facebook lives. Check those out. Fridays. And, uh, Fridays 8 p.m. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Thank you, y'all. Peace. Stay classy. Peace. Stay classy. Okay, um, so we have set the world to rights and gone off on like some weird ethereal path, which I'm, was awesome. I'm, but I am, I have to, I have to confess, I am here trying out a new Sancerre that I really am enjoying. <laughs> no, I, I do, I like my my Sancerres, and this is a new one. My wife told me to try. It's lovely, lovely. <laughs> it's very lovely. Um, hello, so... hello, hello, we here. <laughs> hello, calling. Hello, Joe. Joe, are you there? Oh my. Oh. Yo, what up, homie? Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my English. When when my father-in-law calls, I'm like, hello, Roy. Hello. How are you, great? Because <laughs> uh, I do like because I'm a, I'm a bit of the summer. Like, great. All right, all right. Yeah. I love that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.